welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies The Caribbean Cricket Podcast with me, David Oram I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region And the hot topics in the tropics In the company of my good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator Joseph Reds Pereira Greetings Reds, how are you? Well I'm having a day off because I should have been doing the four... four the fourth day between um, the Windwards Volcanoes and the Guyana Jaguars, that ended yesterday afternoon. Some drama, some drama, 17 wickets falling on the third day, uh, but Guyana um, winning and heading the table. Barbados obviously were hoping that, that they would fall to here, um, so the gap is, is still very wide. And we have two more rounds of, of, of the mm. four-day season to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to kick off with that, looking back at the last two rounds. We've obviously missed a week while I was away in Barbados, where I was uh, thrilled and delighted to see you, Reds, where you were there commentating on the, the probably the big game of the season, by Barbados against Guyana. Barbados tried to catch Guyana, as you allude to, in the subsequent round of matches that uh, uh, have either just concluded or coming towards conclusion. Barbados and Guyana have both won, but there's still that gap. But to retract it, to go back one week, uh, I was there for that game. You were commenting on it. And uh, Guyana did seem to come to Kensington with a draw in mind, Reds. Yes, uh, they worked their plan well. They worked their plan well. Uh, got into a little bit of trouble when they got a little carried away and there was just too many shots. I think they, they left their script, uh, but they managed to hold on towards the end and it ended in a draw. That was Barbados' chance to yeah. close the gap. It was, in fact, um, the top of the table clash. And had they, in fact, had they taken the, 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 the points they were hoping to take, it probably would have been a, a very interesting end. And um, here, had, had the windwards held up Guyana, it would have helped Barbados. But um, that didn't quite happen. Hmm. Um, so, um, unless, well, Guyana's got, um, what, they've got to play... Um, the Jamaica at home at Providence, and they're going after a small break in this competition. They're going to Antigua to Vivian Richards to play the Leewards. Those are the two matches, and I don't see much changing. No, no, the Jamaica surprisingly, Leewards perhaps unsurprisingly, been uh, the two weakest teams really this year. It would be a very big surprise if Guyana don't uh, secure a second successive championship. Well, I think there might be some forced changes in the Ghana team. Um, I think Pamal uh, had an injury, not to the bowling hand, but I think he's got a finger out of, out of joint. That will need a little bit of time. Moti will probably come back in, the promising left-arm spinner. Um, and uh, they've got to make up their mind about Fudadin. Mm. Um, you've got Hetmeyer. Um, you know, sort of waiting at the wings to come in. Interesting, Carty got uh, a nice half century yeah. uh, batting a second time 
for the leeward, so that was encouraging. Um, but where they played two fast bowlers in Barbados and they played two fast bowlers here, and Beaton looked a lot better. I think in Barbados he was short to work. He really bowled very hostile and reefer bowled very cleverly. Um, but uh, the batting on the third day left much to be desired. And if um, Richard Pybrus was watching, he would were wondering, now where are we really going um, with this professional league? Because it wasn't a professional at all. Guyana made a whole meal out of getting 40. <laughs> and I think that uh, Captain Johnson must bear some responsibility. He should have come at number three. When he came, he showed his class. And he, he got the winning runs very, very easily indeed. Yeah. Unfortunately, too often in, uh, in cricket, the Caribbean reflects its culture and there is this propensity to relax. And uh, sometimes is not the time to relax uh, uh, when you've got only a small target to chase down. No, you just need common sense. Um, just turn the strike over, pick up the ones and twos, and uh, they got themselves in, in a muddle. Um, you know, with, with, with a wrong, a total wrong approach. But um, eventually, um, Johnson, um, who batted very well in the first innings, really looked a class above everybody else. Mm. And I, I think he will be recalled against India once that is confirmed mm. and happened. Um, whether, he, whether he will be opener, he can also bat in the middle. He's a natural number four. We just have to wait and see. No, absolutely. Uh, I think. Uh, Guyana's success reflects very well on Johnson, who's generally captain very well. And um, we, both of us, many others, felt he was unlucky to lose his place in the test side, uh, would expect to, to see him back in. Uh, Guyana, as you say, have not absolutely excelled in the last two seasons, but rather in the way of the five years of Jamaican's, Jamaica's dominance, they've always just done enough to be better than everyone else. Yes, uh, um, I think they they got a game plan they work with and uh, I think the acquisition of Raymond Reef are very useful because he's handy with the bat he's handy with the ball very um, intelligent cricketer yeah. and uh, I think looking forward they need to get a top order right hand batsman um, to break up the, the number of left handers yeah. uh, they need maybe to look to another franchise player get a top order right hand batsman um, the introduction of Tajanrain Chandrapal yeah. was certainly a step in the right direction. Uh, might have gotten a little unfortunate like before in the first innings on 48, uh, but he looks to be one who can be there for some time. Took two very good catches also. So, you know, he's not just interested in batting. Uh, he, good move in the field, good hands. Yeah. We will, of course... Uh... As, as the four-day season uh, comes towards an end, uh, look back on it in a, a little bit more detail. Uh, we do have a lot to catch up on. As I say, I've been away, or we've not done this for a couple of weeks, Reds, while I was back in Barbados. Enjoyed catching up with you and many other of my uh, dear friends and uh, absolutely loved being back there. And my father as well was welcomed hugely with in incredible warmth. Um, just wonderful to be back there. I am now back in, in Islamabad. As I say, we've got plenty to catch up on. We'll get through as much as we can, Reds, and, and if, if not, we'll leave other things for another time. Um, the the well, the Western is one. The Western is one whilst you were travelling. Yes, yes. Well, that was going to be my next thing, uh, the, the, the senior side, moving towards the uh, 
2020 World Cup. Uh, they seem to have got off to a, a good start in the warm-ups. Well, I expected maybe a better win. Um, I know it was the first. We had a hiccup with the top order. You know, Fletcher, Charles, Samuels, all going very cheaply. This is where you should really be getting as much practice as possible. Uh, but Bravo came good. Um, Ramden came good. Sammy chipped in with a 20-odd. Um, I was hoping for more runs. Uh, mm. But, you know, it's, it's the first game, so, um, you know, you, you don't know all, all the circumstances. But um, they, 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 they've made a positive start t towards, um, you know, being very competitive in the competition when it starts next week. Yeah. Well, pos positive, I think, is the, the, the key word because uh, after the little hiccup with uh, the, the contract dispute before they uh, went off on this uh, this tour, um, having put that to one side for the, for the time being, important that the camp is positive. Of course, the under-19s World Cup win would have given them, as everyone else, a huge boost and I think helped them to focus their own collective identity and try and match that success. Well, over the weekend, we saw a statement um, from Darren Sami saying that they have been motivated by the success of the young, young under-19 players. Um, so, certainly using that as a, as a, as a major point uh, towards um, galvanizing the team. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that uh, they need uh, to to make a major effort in, in, in this competition. They won it once, can they win it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talking of success, West Indies women. Uh, they're in South Africa. Uh, as we're talking, they're uh, playing the third ODI against the South African women. But irrespective of the ultimate result of this game, they've already won that series, Reds. It, fantastic. Yes, uh, they're playing uh, at Buffalo Park in East London, uh, a ground that I've actually worked on. Uh -huh. And um, it's a very nice venue, a very nice venue. It's been improved since, I think, um, the, 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 my visit. And uh, good to see that uh, they are winning. I see that Campbell um, is now wiki-keeping and Aguilera is concentrating on our batting. Mm. Um, so they're, they're, they're off to a very good start. Um, you know, they've got to maybe... Um, up the ante a bit because uh, Australia and England and New Zealand are, are going to be um, maybe of a higher standard than South Africa. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I think everybody has been pleasantly surprised how in the last 12, 18 months the West Indies women have proved that they, their standard is that much higher and uh, they're, they're approaching Australia in the, in the, in the rankings. Um, I, I think it's... All of these are, are, are good signs of success for, for West Indies cricket, and it, and it needs some light in the darkness. What I don't know is what happened. Is what is happening beyond this squad? Whilst mm. um, I was in Barbados for the Barbados guy in the game, I saw the program for the Barbadian women, mm. young girls, looking very well organised at practice. Everybody in uniforms. Uh, I was very impressed with the Barbados program. And the Barbados program probably is carrying, um, in a sense, um, most of the West Indies team. But what's happening elsewhere, David? I do not know. Yeah. I mean, how strong, how strong is the game in, in Jamaica? How strong is the game in Guyana? 
I was told the game is quite strong in Trinidad and Tobago, but unless we have depth, unless we have young players coming through, playing at the secondary school level, and there is competition within, and you're not just waiting for a West Indies women's championships uh, to pull together a national team, you, you want competition within, and that will make it more competitive to make the national team. That is what I am not too sure about. So I think right now um, we are in good shape, but we, we have to look down the road because these girls aren't going to play forever, although that overall it's a comparatively young team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll watch and monitor that and obviously keep our fingers crossed that they keep having that kind of success. Uh, there's been quite a few uh, things that have occurred since we, we last chatted. Uh, some of them I, I want to touch upon, if not go into any depth. There was... Uh, just be- just be- when we last spoke, there was the news that Dr. Vijay Malaya was um, taking over, in collaboration with the Barbados government, the financing of uh, a structure of the Barbados Tridents in the CPL. There was a couple of articles that appeared in India that questioned his finances. Um, I did talk to uh, Terry Bent while I was in Barbados, who's a, uh, an expert on the Barbados Tridents, and he said that this was not something that really should be concerned with and point out that many people uh, always are having um, discussions about their finances and this was not going to be a problem going forward, but it is something that I, I want to, to, to flag up. But something else that um, there was comment on in the last couple of days, uh, Reds, which I don't know whether you know more about, was Sanal Narayan's comments uh, about he seemed very unhappy with the treatment he'd received during the uh, period when he's been reviewing his bowling action. Well, just to quickly comment on the pride, yes. it's not something that um, Barbados cricket fans uh, were happy probably to read. Uh, they have to do their due diligence and see if it, everything is okay. Because if it's not, uh, they, they need to make um, some very quick decisions. And so there's the CPL organizers. This the right matter, um, he's accusing the president of the Trinidad Tobago Cricket Board of um, mocking him or, or uh, really not um, being um, yeah. you know, kind to him during this period. Unsupported. Uh, there's an alleged email, David, um, which the uh, president has denied sending. Now, where is this email coming from? Mm. Um that's an ongoing story in Trinidad. I did check the Trinidad papers this morning. There was nothing further, nothing further. Uh, but I'd be surprised if um, President Basarat did send that kind of, of, of email. Um, we just have to wait and see whether the, the, there is, in fact, a real story here. Yeah. Um, and if there's an investigation, um, it, it, it should come out. It, should, it, it will come out one way or the other. In the meantime, the Ryan, apart from the allegation, need to go into an ICC lab and see if he can get clearance so that he can bowl in the future. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be development one way or another, uh, or closure, possibly even with uh, Sandra Narayan and his his bowling action, if there's any more on his his dissatisfaction with the way he's been treated. Uh, we will, of course, uh, cover that. Uh, equally, uh, things about Dr. Malaya's finances with the Barbados Trident. I'm hoping that sometime in the near future I will catch up in person, or via Skype anyway, with Terry Bent and 
get a lot more details about the CPL in general. Uh, but we just wanted to flag those stories up. Uh, a couple of other stories we just want to flag up without perhaps going into too much depth. Uh, one was the news that Chris Gale is, uh, has decided he is going to be uh, suing Fairfax Media for comments that were... Uh, the, the articles that appeared against him during the, the, the whole sorry little saga while he was at the Big Bash Reds. Well, his lawyers obviously feel that he, he, he might have a case and that they have filed the action. I see Fairfax are saying they will back what they have uh, carried. Hmm. Uh, they feel that they were fair and they could substantiate. So we just have to wait to see how, how this will go. I mean... Uh, the wheels, uh, you know, turn slowly in cases like this. So this might take some time, um, yeah. you know, at, at the Australian course level before we get a preliminary hearing and uh, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, something else that's gradually unfolding but uh, has a long way to run yet is the continued backwards and forwards, uh, perhaps a war of words might be the best way of describing it, between the WICB and the CARICOM PMs. Since we last spoke, there was comments in particular by the Trinidad and Tobago Prime Minister, uh, Keith Rowley, uh, very anti the West Indies Cricket Board, saying that at the recent CARICOM heads of government meeting in Belize, that they all felt collectively that uh, something needed to be done. The West Indies Cricket Board's not doing anything and they may go to the ICC to try and uh, intercede. Um, the Caribbean's a slightly volatile place politically at the moment. There's been three or four elections within the last 12 months. Two or three heads of government have changed, including in the last week. Uh, Andrew Holness has become Prime Minister again in Jamaica, uh, replacing Portia Simpson-Miller. Um, Tony Cozier wrote on this the other day, Red. I mean, where's this going? Well, I don't believe it's going anywhere, um, because uh, basically... Um the Trinidad Tobago Prime Minister simply echoed uh, what um, the Prime Minister of Grenada had said mm. prior. Um, I think it was, in fact, um, in Belize, and it was at a, a CARICOM meeting. And um, I, I don't know if he was asked a question. It's, it's difficult to work out how these statements are made. Was he asked a direct question? Was it at a press conference? Um, but... Uh, you know, what I was disappointed in, that there was no mention coming from him or no mention from the CARICOM secretariat um, or no s congratulations of the under-19 team. Yeah. Um, I think here, here was an opportunity uh, for the PM of TNT to say something positive about the under-19 team success, and that um, has not uh, quite happened. Um, and I, I was a little disappointed uh, that way. But um, I think the West Indies board, they have decided to stay strong and uh, they will continue um, with, 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 with the program that they have been put out. Um, you have um, the Tri-Nation coming up in June, South Africa, West Indies and, and Australia. India are due to come. They are still saying that uh, four test matches None of the West Indies contractors players were in the CPL draft. So there are clear indications that the four test matches will be on in, in July. No dates yet. No um, no venues have been confirmed. Hmm. Well, particularly the, the, the politics, I, 
I find it very interesting. I know it might not be everybody's uh, area of interest, but I'm going to keep an eye on that. I mean, I'm hoping that this is just a childish spat that will uh, just drift away. I fear that these are the early shots in what could be anything as serious as a civil war uh, in the Caribbean on the cricketing front. But we'll return to this on another occasion. A uh, couple of other things. The two main things I want to talk about, Reds, before uh, in, in the rest of this show. Um, the Australia-New Zealand series, uh, most notable for uh, Brendan McCullum's uh, Swan Song uh, 100, his, his retirement 100, which... Uh, was the fastest ever hundred in in Test cricket? Um, your opinions of Brendan McCullum, but also uh, your own memories, Reds, of uh, what he beat Viv Richards' fifty six ball ton in uh, nineteen eighty six. Well, um, I saw the Viv Richards uh, knock against England, um, and that was quite a knock. Uh, but to compare the two venues, I would think that um, this was a bigger ground and maybe a better attack. Well, the story of that night. Uh, when McCollum made his 54-ball 100, myself and Tony Kozier went to dinner. <laughs> and it was the longest dinner we probably ever had together <laughs> because we, we couldn't take our eyes off the television screen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, he was using his feet to, to, to the Australian fast bowlers. I mean, you, you wonder when it was going to end, you know. Um, you know <laughs> It's only a matter of time before he's caught, and it just <laughs> the boundaries just kept coming. It was a sensational performance, and you know if you write the script on how you would like to end, well, he maybe wrote his own script, and um, he used the script uh, very mm. much to, to the final ball. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. An, an, an incredible performance, and uh, yeah, he he will be missed. Uh, in, on the international stage, we'll still see him in the domestic 2020 competitions. Um, one other thing that came out of uh, that that test, Reds, was the uh, the, the unsavoury outburst by uh, by Josh Hazelwood um, um, that was caught by the uh, stump mics. Uh, did you have any particular feelings about that incident? Well, I think basically, um, basically, this has been happening. For, for years now, this is not something totally new. And, um, you know, you, you just got to watch your language. Mm. And the Australians are, are not known um, to have the best um, cricket language um, out in the middle. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, I see there was some some thought of, uh, of showing um, red cards or yellow cards. Yeah. Maybe we are... We are, we are coming uh, to that. Mm. Luckily, the Westernies have never had a, tradi- a, dr- a tradition of, of, of sledging. Mm. Um, I think uh, our, our bowlers um, will look a man in the eyes and if he beats him outside the off stump, mm. just simply walk back and try and bowl the next ball to get him out. But um, the game needs, needs to uh, take a, a firmer stand against all bad behaviour, all bad behaviour. And the, the, the umpires must must try to be as firm as possible so it doesn't get out of hand. And if it gets out of hand, the ICC has got to take firm action. I think we will see one day, David, I don't know how long it will take, but we will see yellow, yellow cards and red cards. It's being used in other games, and who knows? Um, in other sports, you have a, a sin bin yeah. where you, 
you're off for a couple of overs if you if you misbehave. Yeah, no, I, I fear you're right. I fear it will happen. I hope it's a long way off yet. And and you're right. I, I again, this made me reflect our ages, uh, our old fashionedness. But I don't really think there's any um, place in the game for foul mouthed abuse. Uh, there was nothing more intimidating that I ever saw in, in cricket than the silent stare that somebody like Kirtley Ambrose or Andy Roberts would give in exactly those situations. Yes, I think um, that's quite uh, expected. And um, you simply need to continue to try and get the, the batsman out. Um, a lot of fast bowlers in particular, when they're hit um, for a... A couple of boundaries, uh, they they really uh, maybe tend to go over the top and, and lose the lose the, the, the cool. Yeah, uh, I, I just it, it always seems to be the Australians that that, that cross that line. But anyway, move, moving on, uh, the final item. Just want to uh, touch upon acknowledge. Well, it's a couple of items really. Uh, since you and I last spoke, Reds uh, West Indies' oldest living Test cricketer at that time. Uh, Andy Ganton passed at the age of 95. Yes, uh, had the pleasure of seeing him play as a young lad at 53. I think I saw him play um, a couple of times uh, at Border. In fact, I, I went to the 1956 trials, um, took a boat from Guyana. My father gave me a trip uh, to Border, Spain, and saw him play then. He was 40. He may decide. Um, he got as close to, I think, 12th man in, in the four tests. But, um, you know, he had missed out rather badly. He was treated from all the events. He didn't get a game at, uh, at Border after he made 100. Um, John Garrard opened in the next test match, which probably would be surprising to most. Not taken to India to 49. Yet um, they took George Carew, who was, you know, getting on, hmm. didn't go to England in 50, uh, didn't, go, didn't go to Australia in, 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 in 51. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things about, you know, a man who who, who missed out. And um, But he was such a delightful person, hmm. you know. A, you know, he, he made a lot of runs at the, in the colonial level. I mean, when he first started, he played against Barbados. He got 80-yard, he, he wicket-keep. But those days, I mean, the, the competition was very, very high in terms of getting into the West Indies team because you yeah. you had the three doubles. Yeah. And then when Alan Ray came in to join Jeff Stolmeyer, it, it made it very difficult for an opener uh, to force themselves in. But um, worked with him as a commentator and uh, was able to ask him a great deal of questions about the 1930s and the 1940s players I, I had never seen. For example, Kenny Trestier, he once told me Kenny was a very strong player, 1,000 runs in England in 1950. Wasn't that all strong on the onside? You know, he, he talked about Robert Christiani. He said he was, in fact, um, such a delightful player. And maybe he competed too much with the three Ws. But he said that his, his, his performance in Australia in 51 showed that against quality bowling, Cristiani was in fact a class player. It, it was um, kind of conversations like that. Um, always neatly dressed, um, good all-round sportsman, played football, and, you know, a, a West Indies manager 
and uh, you know a, a, a real a, a gentleman a real mm. gentleman a, a lovely personality and always um, seem to be wearing nice clothes <laughs> yeah and again so, um, you mentioned the three W's there uh, Sir Everton Weeks uh, literally this week turns 91 he's now the second oldest West Indies cricketer and we uh, salute him on his on his birthday. The oldest living West Indies cricketer now, uh, Reds, is uh, Roy Miller, who uh, played one test, uh, Jamaican, I believe, and, and you saw him play. Yeah, I was in 53. Um, just back to the Everton weeks, I tried calling him, but, but I was heading to the Motion Jew quite uh, early because I had to pick up Sean Devers, who is here covering for his newspaper and also mm. doing radio. Uh, I tried to reach Everton, but uh, the telephone just kept ringing busy. I could well understand he was getting calls left, right and centre. Yeah. yeah, Roy Miller played in 53. I then thought that maybe the selector should have gone for Stanley Goodrich. Right. Um, very quick Jamaican fast bowler, really fast. And, um, Miller got the edge maybe for his batting. Um but, um, you know, he, he served Jamaican cricket very well. And I, I hope that he's in good health. It would be nice to have run into him sometime on one of my trips to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, nice to know that he is still alive. And, um, you know, we wish him many more years. Yeah, no, we do indeed. Uh, Roy Miller, now West Indies' oldest living test cricketer. We wish him... We wish him well and uh, many years yet. Uh, I think that's about all the time we've got this week, Reds. Uh, I know you always like to thank our listeners, uh, particularly throughout the, the Caribbean and uh, the Americas. Yes, uh, the feedback has been very interesting. Uh, the word spreads about our podcast, um, you know, from, from Grenada uh, right up um, to Jamaica. Um, islands in between, and of course our friends um, in North America who can hear us on on the USA Cricket Association website. And uh, you know, for anyone else outside of that area, we say well, thank you very much for listening, and let's have your feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't add to that uh, to thank all of those that listen to us uh, via the internet. Uh, this has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, uh, with Red Pereira and me, David Oram, and also a supporting cast this week of a very enthusiastic dog. And I hope that you can join us again very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>